Oh, did you guys hear that explosion from the local woods earlier tonight? Well, if you live on the west coast from the Red Woods and Green Triangle of Humboldt Bay to the shores just outside of Olympus National Park, you may know just what I'm talking about. For in these foggy Pacific regions lurks a creature that lumberfolk avoid at all costs. It's hairless with a sleek black coat that may be because of its home in the burned down parts of the woods. It's said to have had a bottomless appetite, eating anything that it comes upon during its feasting expeditions. No predator can pierce its hide, not even the greatest rifles amongst men. The best sharpshooter in the West was said to have dropped dead after shooting this beast and having the bullet find its way back between his own eyes. So let's discover just what this creature is and the few descriptions we have from animal catalogs of the bizarre sort. Going back into the lumber woods with one of my favorite U.S. foresters, William T. Cox. Even Paul Bunyan encountered this beast many times and was awakened in the night by its fiery explosions. So let's figure out just what the heck a gumbaroo is on this week's Tale from the Fringes. Our story takes us to four different texts this week, but the first of them is the most important to me, and maybe the best look into the beast, as it's the first ever depiction and maybe even inception of this creature. And uh, you know, hold out with me you guys on my voice, I'm just getting over a little cold, so we're gonna push through. This is one of my favorites, oh my gosh, so okay, William T. Cox's version from 1921's Creatures of the Lumberwoods. Its scientific name is Megalogaster repercussus. Now, the foggy regions along the Pacific coast from Grays Harbor to Humboldt Bay homes a creature that has caused much annoyance in the Lumberwoods. A rare creature only seen at once in a great while, but heard more often than not. Quote, it's believed to remain in hiding most of the time, in the base of enormous burned-out cedar trees, from where it sallies forth occasionally on frightful marauding expeditions. It is always hungry and devours most anything that looks like food, known to eat whole horses in one sitting, and while it may bloat the gumbaroo like a snake with a large rodent, the gumbaroo's hunger is still never satisfied and it causes it no discomfort no matter how much it eats. Our first description comes in saying, it's reported to be coal black, but this could be caused by living in charred wood. Its size is like a black bear, for which it may be mistaken if not for it being almost hairless. It has prominent eyebrows, large and bushy, with long bristly hairs on its chin. But the body is smooth, tough, and shiny, with not even one wrinkle. Now, its behavior is odd. It's a tireless traveler when looking for food, but is far from swift moving and is unbothered by the presence of natural enemies. This is because no predator in the region has figured out how to defeat a gumbaroo, never finding a vulnerable point on the beast. Every strike against it bounces back with equal force. 
Its seemingly elastic hide hurls back the charging elk, the pouncing mountain lion, even a sting from a horde of hornets. It's said that bullets shot at the beast recoil back at the shooter, even landing between the eyes of the hunter. To explain the scarcity of this beast, we look at forest fires and the Gumbaroo's seemingly combustible nature. The animal apparently burns with explosive force like cellulite. Near Coos Bay, woodsmen have reported strange sounds during and after wildfires. They hear loud reports, unlike the sound of falling trees that they're used to. Almost large explosions, uh, accompanied by the smell of burning rubber in the air not too long after. Now that ends our first description of the beast, but we hop over to Critters of the Lumberwood by Henry Tyron from 1939. Now he gives the scientific name Formax Rotor. And he says, it is uncommon yet well-known and thoroughly documented. Paul Bunyan often meets these beasts in the upside-down country. Bunyan has described them as, quote-unquote, a pot-bellied body, almost exactly like the bunkhouse stove, even the umbilical damper and covered with very tight, tough, black, shiny skin a pair of long, powerful, monkey-like forearms, and a little round head and no neck. His head sits right down on his shoulders, like a hop toad in a cool spot. He's got three bowed rear legs, each with a clawed foot clutching on an iron ball, the same as an iron stove. There's no speed in these rear legs, but they're handy for wading dumps. For real travel, he's got eight pairs of strong springy legs set around his middle, He's plenty rapid on these. He'll go on to a hilltop by swinging from branch to branch with his forelegs, then tossing them out a rod or two, landing sideways on middle legs and rolling over and over down the hill, moving faster than the eye can see. That's why he's so rarely observed. The hides from the middle legs used to make fine waterproof boats, but they're pretty scarce now, end quote. Now, we find some similarities as Tyron notes that they are most common in burnt lambs and practically indestructible animals. Bullets always bounce off their taut hide, but extreme heats will make them swell up and eventually explode. A wildlife photographer at the time, S.W. Allen, actually got a photo of this creature, but... When he developed the negatives, they exploded on him. And that ends that depiction. We hop over to a third one, Patricia Lauber's version from her 1969 Curious Critters. She says, The Gumbaroo is found only in the burned land of the north, and those that wish to never meet these creatures should avoid these parts. The Gumbaroo is a bit larger than a bear and shaped like a potbelly stove. It has a tough, leathery hide that cannot be pierced, and no hunter should shoot at it, as the bullets may bounce back and strike the shooter. The only weakness it has is fire. Paul Bunyan and his men used to be awoken in the middle of the night by explosions caused by these creatures' death when a wildfire catches them. S.W. Allen is mentioned again with his famous photo of the creature, but it's noted that this was a mistake, since the photo caught fire during development and burned his whole shack to the ground. He is also known for his photos of the splinter cat, the axe handle hound, the goofus bird, and something that may or may not have been an Argo pelter. And lastly, we hop over to the final book, The Hunter, the Tick, and the Gumbaroo, from 1967 by George Mendoza, who also created GWOT, 
Horribly Funny Hair Ticklers from 1967, a text I have wanted to get my hands on for so freaking long. It is an awesome looking book, and it also mentions the Gumber Ruin there. So, this is a tale of a hunter tracking the legendary Gumbaroo through unfamiliar woods. It's a child's tale for the most part. And on his way, he hunts and kills many small animals, namely two rabbits and a quail that he attaches along his hip. While trekking through the woods, he develops a lump on his forehead. He begins hearing strange noises muttering to him to kill more animals to feed his bloodlust. But when he looked down at the rabbit and the quail he had on his belt, they seem to be losing blood and their meat from under their skin. They're shriveling up. He soon learns that there is a horrendous brown wood tick who has burrowed deep into his forehead. The lump then begins growing to enormous proportions. Quote unquote. Every time he looks up to see the lump, it seems bear-like, with a thick, leathery, black body that mushroomed out like a dark cloud above his head. End quote. For the gumbaroo he was seeking was in his head the whole time. So to defeat this gumbaroo that has grown in his forehead, he carefully aims his rifle at it, trying to precision blast it off without hurting himself. Later that day, two rangers investigate the blast come upon a scene of a hunter's body lying dead on the ground, gripping his rifle. The rabbits and quail on his belt were perfectly fine, and a speck-like brown tick was found on the side of his face. Now this last tale is definitely more of a cautionary tale that uses the Gumbaroo's likeliness for human hubris and nature fighting back, as even the smallest creatures can bring about the most gruesome of demises, thought to be only brought about by great beasts of the Lumberwoods. It's also notable that the bullet went between the ranger's eyes, much like most of the tellings of the Gumberwoods when something tries to shoot at it. But the most vivid depiction comes from our first story, where the bear-like creature isn't some ridiculous stovepot-looking beast who has three hind legs and eight mid-body limbs. I mean, what do we even talk about? Henry Tyron always takes the most fantastical, bizarre, silly, almost, depictions of these creatures. Now, if I was to speculate on the true existence of this creature and more than likely what it's representing, much like how rockbolt sliders likely represent landslides, this creature's weakness to fire, explosive demise, and smell of burning rubber after its death, along with its scarce sightings, make me believe this could represent old cars succumbing to malfunctions and explosions in the woods. Now, this beast was created in the 1920s when automobiles are coming about and may not be nearly as functional as today's vehicles. A wealthy couple could be driving through the woods and experience a malfunction, and they would have nowhere to go. I mean, and God forbid an unknown wildfire catches them off guard or a malfunction causes a spark to set the vehicle on fire. I mean, there are no mechanics or anyone to help nearby. To the average lumberman hacking at wood, to hear this strange new sound, let alone an explosion of a car, would no doubt cause them shock. Now, they may figure it is a boom from a felled tree, but they know that sound all too well. It's also just a neat creature to tie to wildfires, and the absolute strange sight of an entire section of the woods being burned down. When I lived in Montana, there were many of these, and we called them the Whistling Woods, which almost had a haunting feel. Many of my friends didn't feel comfortable hiking through them, and constantly felt as though they were being watched by something lurking just outside of our view. 
Could it have been a Gumbaroo lurking in its burned woods? But let's say this creature really does lurk throughout our world, specifically the Pacific Coast. I'd love to speculate on its life. Most of the time, I like to figure out its biome and home region, that being my main goal. But we already know this. However, he could have expanded their territory outside of coastal regions, as wildfires throughout NorCal, Oregon, and Washington have become insane in the past few decades. Now, I guess that could speak to their presence in the area, but I'd like to think that they could have expanded throughout the Pacific Northwest and further into Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming, as I've found many sections of burned woods throughout these states, and especially Montana. Uh, Montana is also home to an intense population of bears, uh, black and grizzly. On hikes and even walking between laundry trips, I'd spot black bears pretty commonly, and it's not as scary of an encounter as I had once imagined. However, I did find a maturing grizzly bear running through our backyards one day, and uh, yeah, no, that was not a good time. But the local hounds were able to scare it off. Nonetheless, a terrifying encounter. Now, as in the story, some of these black bears I saw could have easily been a gumbaroo that I didn't recognize. Some of them were pr pretty far distance. I'm just glad I never ran into one when it was on a quest for food on a forest mukbang almost. <laughs> I feel like a human should be able to outrun this lumbering beast, but it may be a sort of it follows situation. As no matter how far you run, the gumbaroo's hunger will always follow and be ever slowly approaching. At least we know fire is the best way to fight off this beast, as most towns and cities have developed, you know, fires and lights and streetlights, so this creature may never want to come near these places. As a final note, I'd like to think that Yellowstone National Park could home these creatures, as the blasts from the many geysers of the park could actually be Gumbaroo explosions. God knows there's plenty of food throughout the park for them, and it's a fairly flattish area, uh, which would be amazing for this beast's form of locomotion. Even though if it did share at least a few bear qualities, bears don't mind uphill or downhill. They have a muscle in their back that makes it essentially the same thing to them. Now, no matter what you believe about the beast, just be sure not to shoot at it, as firstly, that's a horrible thing to do to any creature, as America has millions of ranches that provide more than enough food and we shouldn't waste it. But of course, this beast's impervious hide may just send the bullet back between your eyes. Stay safe as you hike throughout the regions of the Pacific, and always keep an ear out for a nearby Gumbaroo explosion may just be closer than you think. Boy, that's one of my favorite cryptids throughout America, and while some diehard cryptozoologists may hate the creatures of the Lumberwoods, which, you know, fair is fair, they're not necessarily always real creatures, they could represent things that are larger than life, as much of folklore does, this goofy being will always live warmly in my heart, uh, but hopefully not too warm. It's also to note that Metazoo has a card for the Gumbaroo, and is an absolute beast on the battlefield, with an especially hilarious illustration of the creature, with this ridiculous grin and big beard that's reminiscent of a lovable stoner. Uh, I will post many depictions of the Gumbaroo on the Instagram, check out uh, the credits for that. Now I hope all of you enjoyed your holidays and the coming new year, as the next time you'll hear from me is with a fringe history case just a couple days 
into 2024. Oh my god, I can't believe we're already at 2024. Ugh. But I can't wait to be back with you guys in the future, as I have a more supernatural tale that includes a phenomenon spotted across America and even the whole world. So how did folks in Japan, Britain, and America all spot a creature that's not native to any of these places? And is there a supernatural explanation to this phenomenon? You'll have to stick around and hear about it on the next Tale from the Fringes. Fringe History is research written and produced by me, Bastipi. Fringe History is an independent podcast relying and welcome to any sightings, encounters, or funding to help expand our community. Submit any stories to fringehistorypod at gmail.com or on Instagram at fringehistorypod. Make sure to follow the social media for episode drops and daily content, like daily cryptids. I got MetaZoo cards on there, depictions of different spirits, aliens, and of course, Tons of cryptids on there. Uh, and all the pictures you want to see from the case you heard today and all the other cases, it could be a good spot to find your next episode. And if you want to help support this podcast for absolutely free, please go leave a review anywhere you heard this. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, anywhere you listen to your podcast. Thank you a ton. And as always, stay weird out there. Keep adventuring, folks.